Uh, hello my friends, hello my life warriors, wherever you are in the world Welcome to the Day In Day Out podcast Woo! Today on episode 183, I was very lucky to have uh, John Kenny on the podcast He is the relationship guy We talked about a number of things on the podcast today We talked about how he got started as the relationship guy It is quite a long journey he's taken to get here He started as a firefighter of all things and before that he was a athlete uh we talked about how his journey took him there um yeah we talked about yeah some of the things uh what help relationships and yeah some of the personal things he has found out about relationships himself uh, all i've got to say is a lovely guy to talk to really looking forward to talking to him again in the future and yeah it was a Great time had by all me thinks. So yeah, please subscribe to the podcast, uh, tell a friend, and yeah, have a wonderful day and enjoy the show. Anyway, peace and love to ya. Yeah. Peace. Let's go. Ha <laughs> Oh. Hello, my friends. Hello, my life warriors, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the day in, day out podcast. Woo! Today on episode 183, I am very lucky and privileged to have uh, John Kenny. He is the relationship guy. How are you today, sir? I'm very well, Mima. How are you? I'm good. Hey, what can I say? I'm smiling. It's a hot, well, it's turning into quite a nice sunny day here in London. How about yourself? Yeah, no, I'm in Hertfordshire, so I'm not far. Uh, and yes, it's, it's it's I've had to pull my blind because the sun was coming right through the window. <laughs> At last, the taste of summer. Like yes, it has been. How can I say? If you had to compare it to a sandwich, it has been a wet, like watercress sandwich. Lots and lots of watercress. <laughs> lots of more and pretty bland. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. Now I have to ask. Now look, re- the relationship guy. Okay, now, Mr. Relationship Guy. Yes. Now, how does someone go from being in the fire service as a firefighter to becoming the relationship guy? That is one hell of a... That's quite a change in vocation, let's say. Yeah. Well, let's just say I wasn't really cut out to be a firefighter. (laughs) (laughs) You did it for a healthy chunk of time. Let's I don't know, 12, Twelve years, yeah. Um, it was uh, it was design rather rather than choice. I actually joined the fire brigade because I wanted to emigrate to Australia. Ah. And when I joined, you could apply to join the Australian Fire Service as a British firefighter. Um, right. But I got in, and about eight months after I got into the fire service, they changed the rules in Australia. To say you had to be resident in Australia to join the fire service. So, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like, okay. Like, I hear that. Eight months in, they changed yeah. the rules. You're like, okay, right. Here's where I have an issue with that sort of story. This is where I have to push back slightly. Yeah, 12 years. Mm. <laughs> it's like, it wasn't like it was like I was there for 11 years and like, Five months just when I was about to apply, they changed it. It was like, yeah, right at the beginning. <laughs> and yet- well, at the time, I originally thought, well, what am I going to do now? I suppose I better give this a go because <laughs> I, I, 
Uh, and um, so for the first couple of years, I thought I really need to go. You know, it's a decent career. It's a fairly decent job. Right. Um, and I didn't really know what else to do, to be honest, because I'd been an, uh, an athlete. I wanted to be a full time athlete till I was in my mid 20s. Oh. Then I didn't really know what to do with myself when I, that didn't work out. Um, so I decided to go to I went to Australia for the first time. I thought I'd love to live in Australia. So then I packed all my job up. I sold my flat and went to university to train to be a teacher. Um, that wasn't a good choice because I didn't enjoy the teaching. And this was all to emigrate, by the way, to Australia. Yeah. And then but on that training, I actually did an introduction to counselling and got into in sort of in, interested in the psychology of, of relationships, people and how we work. Um, when I left uni, I joined the fire service um, because, because I didn't really want to be a teacher. <laughs> and my brother had joined the fire service in the meantime as well. And he said, oh, did you know you can go to Australia as a firefighter? I thought, oh, great. I'll try that instead. <laughs> Aha. Is that going? Yeah. yeah. Thanks, bro. I'll do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's where the idea of joining the fire brigade came from. And then... Um, I knew I'd had to do four years anyway because you'd have to be qualified as a firefighter before you could go. So I knew I was definitely going to be doing four years. Right. Um, and then after about two years and I realised I couldn't go to Australia, I thought, all oh, that psychology stuff that was quite interesting. I'd never really found anything that, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I was at school. Mm. Um, I had no idea about what kind of career what I wanted. And then obviously I got into athletics and that became my focus for 10 years. And then again, when that was over, I didn't know what to do then. So then I just kind of trial and error, really practiced different things, tried different things to see what it found, found my way forward. And then just thought, you know, all that psychology was really interesting. I quite like the counselling part. Let me see if I can get onto a counselling course and see what that's like. So I had some therapy of my own because I wasn't in a great space emotionally, mentally at the time either. Mm. Um, and I thought, you know what, this is this is pretty, pretty good. I quite enjoyed this, you know. Um, I'd, I'd like to be able to help people in a specific way. And I'd always been in a service industry. I'd always worked in retail or I'd sold insurance and I was in the fire service. Um, and so I did the training. I did a four-year training. So by the time I qualified, it was like 2008. So I'd already done eight years, nearly seven years or so in the fire brigade at that point. Couldn't find any work as a therapist. So um, a, a colleague of someone who was on my training course with me decided to start our own counselling agency together. So I started to do that part time. And then I got a job working for the NHS as a counsellor. Mm. Um, and so I was kind of doing three jobs at once. So I was working in my own private agency. I was working for the NHS and I was also working for the fire <laughs> it's, like, it's like, yeah, you know what? It's like, yeah, you know what? You know, it's like my life had no direct, like, I was I was trying to be an athlete. That didn't work out. Yeah, I tr I went to be a teacher. No, that didn't work out. I joined the fire brigade, and that's like yeah, um yeah. I yeah, I've always been point. one of those people that just like if it doesn't work, try something else. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> like this is the thing. Like, there's nothing wrong with that, and like I think a lot of people don't do that in life. It's like okay, this this isn't working for me, or they're sort of like oh, I'm trapped in this position, but. They fail to like go, you know what? There's something different out there for me. Let's try something new. Let's try something different. Uh, it's just get caught up with that little bit of fear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, my dad still asks me when I'm going to get a job. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was one of those people that needed a pay packet every month, so it didn't really matter what he was doing, so long as he got paid. Yeah. Um, so he would do anything really, so long as he could bring home some money at the end of the month. Yeah, and like you know what, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just a case of when if you were caught, if you were one of these type of people, I'm like, I know I'm making a leap of faith just in a like brief time together to like, uh, woe is me and like, uh, why is life not going my way? I think uh, you'd be like, uh, you must be like, um, yeah, come on now, buddy. You know, it's your fault rather than anyone else's uh, currently. But you kind of like kept on going, found your way, kept on going, found your way, kept on going. And um, many people are like, oh, what? Didn't you have a clear plan? It's mm. like, <laughs> it's like, right. No, I'm not. A, I'm not. Well, I'm not one of those people. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, I didn't get that from you. No, no. <laughs> it's, it's like, I, missed, I missed the memo when I was at school. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like, um, yeah. Come up with a clear, concise plan. Mm. It's like, no. did you hear that? What? No. <laughs> no, it's definitely not. No, it's always been about kind of just fun. You know, it. It's, it's it's a positive and a negative, I guess, because you know I'm I'm 50 years old now, and I've got to the stage where I'm thinking, okay, do what you know, I do. I need to settle with something. But even this year, I mean, the relationship guy, I've only been going by that kind of tag for about just over a year. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've been doing relationship coaching specifically since 2016. Um, but before I went into the relationship guy space, it was working more with people to manage toxic and unhealthy relationship spaces because mm. that's where I came from. That was my relationship history. It was always, again, as you just said, it was my responsibility that I was choosing those type of toxic relationships. The same way it was my responsibility that I was self-sabotaging certain other areas of my life, but mm. was also never quite settled in certain spaces. Um, and therefore, then after the first lockdown in 2020, I was getting quite a lot of people contacting me saying, I've been single through lockdown. I don't really know why I've never been able to find the right type of relationship. Mm. And that's where my shift came from. Actually, rather than helping people that are already in toxic and unhealthy relationship spaces, is to do what I'd like to do myself is to try and find a space where I avoid getting into those relationships full stop. Mm. so rather than being in it and trying to get out of it and manage it it's just okay that how do i avoid how do i choose a healthy relationship for myself in the first place and that is where the relationship guy kind of came from yeah it, well but that is a huge question how do you avoid like getting into a toxic relationship um like so if i was like don't let my missus hear this. Now, yes, if I came to you, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I need to find myself a healthy relationship. I need to find myself a healthy relationship. Like, John, help me, help me. How? Like, how can I do this? What would you say would be the first thing you would recommend? Well, the first thing to do is to tell your wife that this episode isn't worth listening to. Oh, yes, I got <laughs> okay, yeah. No, she's, yeah, um, we're, we're cool. Carry on, carry on. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, so the way I work is we all have, uh, we have all developed a certain way of doing relationships. Yeah. Um, that starts in childhood with your attachment style. So there are different types of attachments, attachment style, secure and insecure attachment. 
people that receive love, encouragement, support, and have healthy relationships as kids generally grow up with what's called a secure attachment. Mm-hmm. People that don't receive necessarily that or have adverse kind of trauma in childhood grow up with what's called an insecure attachment. That will decide some way to what kind of relationships we choose as we get older. Mm. We also develop certain relationship beliefs. So if we believe that relationships are unhealthy, they cause us a lot of pain, that they're never fulfilling. Um, some people might say, like, you know, that the right person for them is not there. Whatever, whatever we believe about relationships, we are looking to be made true all of the time because mm. us, that belief is our truth. And if that doesn't exist, we need to create something which makes that real for us. Mm. If I believe a certain thing about relationships, I'll have a tendency then to keep choosing the same types of relationships over again, just so that belief becomes reality. Then we'll have something like a relational pattern. So um, when I was a kid, I, to avoid the pain of the relationships in my own household, I would spend a lot of time by myself. Okay. So therefore, I would look for a sort of a certain safe space. I would then recreate certain relational patterns so that I could always return to my safe space, which was being by myself. Mm. If If I would meet somebody, I would always be looking for an out before I got in because I was always looking for somewhere that I thought, oh, you know, if I need to be by myself, I will, I can do that because this person has this thing. So I was always looking for a problem in a relationship so I could escape from it. Um, And then I would create relational patterns. So I choose the same types of people over and over again to to ensure that I could get back to my safe space. Mm. And we all have certain ways of doing these things. Some are very healthy relational patterns. Some are very healthy relational beliefs, some not so. Um, and generally you'll find the people that I work with haven't been able to find that space yet is because they are still playing around in all of these insecure, unhealthy type spaces. And also have never really thought about what they want from somebody. They're just going through the motions of the relationships that they think they need and have never really considered the relationship that they want. Mm they could have developed connection issues, commitment, what we would say is commitment phobia. Um, <laughs> yeah, so they, they don't find comfort, it's not comfortable to connect with people at any kind of deeper level. So they keep all relationships very surface. Um, so therefore we are trying to understand what it is about, what it is how they feel about to actually really connect into somebody. Because until you're ready to put yourself into a space where you want to connect to somebody at a deeper level, you're not going to attract somebody that you can connect with. Mm. Because if you are happy to connect at someone at a certain level all the time, they're the kind of people that you're going to invite into your life all the time. So we need to kind of work on those kind of spaces in order to understand where we are so that we can then put the changes in place to find the relationship we want. Mm. Would you say you find that a lot of people which come to you, like they just keep jumping in time and time again without actually doing any work on themselves or like any sort of reflection on themselves? Yeah, and that was me. That was me completely as well. I used to do exactly the same thing. I was cool. I was a serial monogamist, really. <laughs> I knew I wanted something, but I didn't know what that something was. And I didn't realise I was playing out all of this other stuff in the background. Mm. You know, I'd, I'd be with someone for a little while and my brain would go, oh, this isn't really what you want it to be. Or it could be completely what I wanted it to be, but because I wouldn't allow it, 
I would then want to run away from that. Mm. So then I would then meet someone else and that would date them for a while. Then I'd meet someone else and date that for a while. And, and that's the kind of space that I was in. Mm. Uh, completely unaware of what was going on, why, why that was happening. Um, and just thought that was kind of how life was. That's how relationships were. Um, even though I knew I was desperately unhappy at times and completely unfulfilled, um, I didn't know what it was that I was really trying to find. Hmm. No, I, I can understand that. I, I, I think, I think we all suffer from that at some point in our lives, where it's like, yeah, just like, okay, um, yeah, I'm trying to find, I'm trying to find that special someone. Like most of the times in in the younger times, in my early days, about I'm trying to find that special someone for when tonight. Oh, but it's very, it's very moment. Yes, yeah, right now. It's like going, like. Where do you see it going? What do you mean by that? <laughs> it's like tomorrow is tomorrow, today and right now is right now. And I think trying to sort of like work on you, like working on yourself to actually like go, you know what? Yeah, this is where it comes into it. And that's where it comes into it. And like, I think it takes a long time to, well, for some people to get that sort of realm of maturity and that sort of self-awareness, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I said, if you grow up with a healthy sort of sense of who you are and a healthy sense of what relationships are like and you can connect with other people and it doesn't cause you any concerns, mm. then you generally don't have this kind of issue as as throughout life. It's, you know, I've, I've known some people, they've got together in their like early 20s and they're still together now and they're blissfully happy. Yeah. But when you look at them, when you speak to them and they, they're both very secure within themselves and within that relationship, so it works really well. Mm. Um but there are people that have never really had that experience and don't know how to create that experience. Mm. Uh, so with yourself, like, so you must have done a, a, a hell of a lot of soul searching, like reflecting and mm. like to like, well, like sort of like, um, how can I say accountability for yourself to sort of like get into this more, I would say healthy mindset. Would I be wrong in saying that? Oh, yeah, I've been working on myself since 2004, really, since I kind of went into therapy and then started embarking on my training as a therapist. Um, I've been on that sort of journey of self-discovery. I never really put all of this together. Um, It was very interesting when I got into coaching. um, I got into coaching in 2012 when I actually had some sessions with a coach um, because... (laughs) Uh, she sort of said to me, you know, you're helping all these people with the therapy work. She said, but why does your life still suck? How did you respond to that one? I said, <laughs> that's a very good question. Why does my life still suck? Um, and the coaching taught me that I could tell myself a new story rather than being stuck in the past. Mm. Where I was. So I had the therapy and I completely kind of, I didn't have a complete understanding because that's taken me a lot longer to kind of work out um but I had an understanding of how I felt and why I felt the way that I felt but I hadn't put any real changes into place to make it any different Mm. only when I embarked on the coaching that I thought oh I can tell myself a new story I don't need to keep doing this stuff over and over again which I was still doing uh to a certain degree it it led me off onto onto a, a new path which um, I'll explain, didn't go too well the first time I tried it. <laughs> okay. Mm. Um, 
because I, I ended up getting married for the first time when I was 45. And um, that marriage, I'm, I'm now that's now divorced. I'm, I'm now going for a divorce because I changed what I thought I wanted in a relationship, but I went to the complete opposite. So rather than dating people that were very much like my dad, who are very insecure and quite volatile, my dad was quite an angry man. When <coughs> um, and I dated a lot of people like my dad. I resolved a lot of the relationship with my dad through therapy and through kind of working on that stuff within myself. Mm. And then I ended up marrying my mum instead. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like, you remind me of my mother. Hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> marry me. Away from all the toxic, kind of volatile relationships where I never felt good enough, um, where I was always striving to try and make someone like me. Mm. Um, and when I would then realize that wasn't going to work, I would then go into an avoidant space. So my attachment style was very avoidant because I didn't really know how to cope with deeper, more meaningful relationships. Um, and that's been with friendships as well as emotional relationships and family relationships my whole life. Mm. Um, doing that repair work on that space, I thought then when I met the person I ended up marrying that I'd made a really healthy choice. But what I didn't realise is I'd met another avoidant, who is my mum. My mum's quite an avoidant personality. Ah. So when I married her, I thought, this, oh, this is great. I've made this really you know, deep and meaningful decision about changing my life and my relationships. And this is a new person. This feels completely different to before, but I'd gone too far the other way. Mm. Um, and there was like, and there was no balance then. So I ended up marrying someone who was more avoidant than I was. Um, <laughs> because Obviously I'd done that kind of stuff and reflection that I wanted to be now deeply connected to somebody, um, but didn't realize that I couldn't have that with her. So when I started to try and engage with her at a deeper level and express how I was feeling and mm. kind of saying, well, this thing's missing from this relationship. Can we work on this? Blah, blah, blah. Because she has an avoidance, she didn't really know what to do with that. So rather than coming closer to me, she moved further away. Right. So eventually we ended up just thinking that this, this is not working. We're never really going to make each other as happy as we could do. Um, and we needed to go our separate ways. Yeah. Like, because, um, when you say like avoiding, like one of the things I'm a strong believer in is like growth comes through a realm of discomfort. You can never grow. You can never be your full, like your full potential self. If you live in comfort every single day, mm -hmm. like being like, as you say, an avoider, like it must've been very difficult to grow as a like as an individual and like more or less nigh on impossible as a couple as you were saying because it's like yeah the sort of conversations which come out of it it's like yeah out of those moments where you might argue or you might talk about as like maybe a situation or a certain like scenario another couple is going through or like someone else gone through if you're not talking about those things, which might be like conversations where you're like, um, yeah, that wasn't the best. Um, yeah. Where's the growth coming from? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and the thing is, I was bringing these topics up and, and like my wife was like saying, well, I don't see the problem because she was happy in that space. She was happy to be in an avoidance space. That's where mm. she was comfortable. Um, I was no longer comfortable with being an avoidant person. So I wanted something different and I wanted my needs met a bit more deeply. Um, but 
you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a space we were able to get into. We would try for a while, and then not kind of normality would resume, and we'd just end up basically living separate lives under the same roof. Yeah, uh, which is what I didn't want. Um, whereas before, as a as avoid, and I'd be very happy with <laughs> because it meant I didn't need to connect at a deep level at all. Yes. Um, so as time went on, I just thought, you know, again, and then as as two avoidant people, we just gradually grew further and further apart. Mm. Uh, until like I said we just became friends living under the kind of the same roof um and it just wasn't some you know and I mean like I said I am 50 but I am only 50 I mean I've got a long time to go yet and she's the same age so it was like you know what there could be something so much better out there for you which is going to make you much happier mm. uh, we're, we're probably best off if we're not together um and that's the decision that we came to and it was only actually really when I wrote I wrote a book my, my book about uh three years ago but I actually really understood that because it took a lot of soul searching, a lot of self-reflection, really kind of writing it down and saying, okay, this is my life story so far. This is how I got to this point. And now I completely understand why I've made the decisions that I've made. Mm. Um, So it was a very interesting space. And that's kind of when our relationship with my marriage started to shift at that point, because I realized that we got together in the two avoidance in in in, the, in an unhealthy space yeah. unless we were too hell and avoidance that were very happy to go on different paths <laughs> yeah, then, then that, 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 that worked really well you're avoiding me i'm avoiding you let's go let's do the ultimate game of avoiding each other you go off there i go off here and yeah now yeah. one of the things i would say when like I think this is sometimes where it scares like people at times when you kind of sort of do that sort of self-reflection, truly start looking at yourself. There are certain, like there are questions which will come up and like sort of realizations which come up and go, okay, uh, I get that about myself now. And I understand where I'm going from, like going to maybe not the actual final destination if there is one, but you kind of get the better idea of the direction, if you get what I mean. Yeah. And like doing a book, like doing a book, I don't know how long it took you to do that book. How long did it take? It took about six months really to write it. It was, it's, it's a coaching book in, in essence. So I already had the program. Yeah. But the first part is my life story in relation to the program. So it was, uh, but actually working through the program myself at, that sort of six months rather you know you work for a coaching program you know generally sort of my night so I offer a three-month coaching program because I think because of the input that I can offer people they can do things a lot more quickly than if you do it on your own um so I would say also I've been like I've been in personal event like I said in 2004 so I'd already done quite a lot of work and and that six months kind of really helped me to stitch all the pieces together Mm. Um, and, and actually writing it out and writing it down and thinking, wow, this is my story, um, was what really kind of helped it to make sense for me. So that process over that six months and then obviously then reading the book back and the whole process of then having it proofread and then sending it back and reading it and reading it and reading it and reading it. Um, really, got, I thought, oh, you know what? This makes a lot of sense now. Yeah. But like, yeah, that's six months of intensive, like, yeah going through, going, like reflecting, going mm. back, forth, back, forth, and really sort of like putting a microscope uh, on like certain areas of your life. Now, 
there are not many people which have done that. I would say there might be a greater number of people which have looked uh, over the sort of last 16 months or 18 months and gone, yeah, I might need a change in direction. Uh, mm -hmm. But that's, uh, that's about it. Mm -hmm. But not to like, oh, yeah, I really need to sort of like dig deep, get into like get into the real thick of it. Like, no, <laughs> yeah, that's you, you know? Yeah, no, you're right. There's there's not many people that take the time. I think statistically, I mean, this is a bit um, air, maybe airy fairy with the actual percentages, but they reckon between 89% and 94% of people just go through life doing life. They don't ever take the time to self-reflect. And then the mm. ones that do, it's a very small percentage that then think this is a bad enough space for me to want to do something about it. Mm. And then have the ability to overcome the difficulties of trying to put change into place because your brain doesn't really like change. It likes familiar. And if it's been doing something its whole life in order to, in essence, probably protect you from loss or pain, yes. it's not really going to want to change. It's, it doesn't want to look out for all the things in the world which make more sense <laughs> to be doing. It says, no, well, no, let's just do this because this is what we know. Mm. Um, so even if there is a small percentage of people that actually recognise that they do want to do something about it, there's an even smaller percentage that are able to overcome the blocks that allow them to do something about it. But like you said, if you spend six months, maybe then to a year, just analysing your life, <laughs> where it is and where it's come from and now what you want from it, it, you know, there could be a motivation in there for you to think... Well, I've got a program here as well. I just follow that program and I can change this. So <laughs> I'll take my own advice. <laughs> <laughs> now, let me see. Um, okay. Did you follow, like, with regards to the program, Did have you followed some, you teach it, but mm. do you put, are you a practitioner of it yourself? Up until I wrote the book, I thought I was. Uh -huh. um, but after the book, definitely I am. There, I mean, I like I said, I've been holding on to a lot of my stuff since childhood. So there are occasions when I get triggered that I get blocked. But my awareness of myself and how I feel and the spaces that I go into now enable me to have alternatives and options and choices mm. on how I and how I now want to do things. Yeah. So, you know, when I got back out into the dating world after separating from my wife. I had a clear idea of the relationship that I wanted. Okay, yeah, like I have to ask. <clears throat> okay, now in this, like, how when? How long ago did you separate from your love? Uh, uh, eight, uh, nearly nine months. Nine months. Woo. Okay. Now, how? Like, what the hell was that like in this topsy turvy, crazy world, which was mm. yeah. Pan, well, planet pandemic. How the how did that go down? <laughs> yeah, so it, I, I enjoyed it to be honest. I mean, um, to be at the the last sort of diff, because of the relationship I was having. Yeah, it was nice to be away from that environment because we were both very unhappy and um, fairly stressed. And when I then. Actually, because my relational pattern is to be safe, being safe on my own, I think subconsciously I actually wanted to be by myself as well. Mm -hmm. I was trying to get away from the difficulties of that relationship. 
and the unhappiness of that relationship. So when that actually came to an end, my brain went, whoa, yeah, nice. You're back on your own again. This is your safe space. Mm. But also it was a much healthier space for me to be in regardless of whether it was somewhere I wanted to be or not. Mm. Um, and so it was quite nice not having the opportunity to go back out and date because I knew I didn't want to. Right. Um, but I think, I'm not, I don't think I would have done because again, all the work I've done on myself, but as a serial monogamist before, the first thing I would have done when I ended a relationship was find and try and find the next one. <laughs> Whereas in this instance, it gave me six months to think, what do I really want moving forward? I want to spend some time on my own. Mm. I really want to get back out into the dating world, you know, and to really kind of think about myself in that space and what I wanted moving forwards. Um, so I use that time wisely and productively and to have the pandemic and be in lockdown. I've actually found was quite useful because I couldn't do anything anyway. Mm. Um, so it gave me that reflective space to be in, to think about what I wanted from somebody moving forwards and how, how, I, how I wanted to be in a relationship moving forwards as well. Ah, that took some, that took some good time out to like really sort of try to, work on like some like key aspects to make them yeah, better definitely. so i've more or less thought five or four or four or five months on my own and quite literally because <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't go anywhere so <laughs> it's like ah no i want to go out and meet someone and well you can't you're in lockdown stop yeah. it okay yeah. <laughs> i avoided all the dating apps i didn't go on any websites i didn't do anything because again that was my first port of call before would be go straight on there looking for some positive attention, looking for some affirmation, looking for someone to give me something that I kind of hadn't had for a while, you know, to make me feel good about myself. But because of all the work I've done on myself, I thought I don't actually need to do that because I'm in a good space within me. I know who I am. I know how much I like myself, mm. I show myself compassion and understanding. I can give myself all the love and positive stuff that I might be, might have searched for from somebody else before. Um, and it was just a really nice kind of experience for me to go. I don't need anybody to make me feel good about myself. Oh, I can do that myself. Um, and that's where I spent those few months just being in that space with me, just to make sure that I knew exactly where I was and what I wanted moving forward. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Now, I would say with like you doing some work on yourself and everything like this, now, I would like, how can I put it? The last, like, well, planet pandemic, I always have to refer to it that way, has been, <laughs> it has been a very interesting spotlight for people and some of their relationships. And like, yeah, some have got stronger and some have fallen by the wayside. Mm. Um, have, like, what have you been kind of seeing as a, like, look, as a relationship guy, like, like, don't get me wrong, you've gone through some hard times recently, but as a relationship guy, how have been, what's been the sort of things you've been seeing uh, from other people other than yourself, you know? Yeah, so it's been, I mean, I, I've got a couple of friends or acquaintances that are uh, divorce solicitors, and they've been the busiest they've ever been. Ooh. The, uh, it's you know, the lockdowns have brought a lot of things to the fore which weren't working, but they've also mm. created more positive environments for some people because they've actually spent time together they wouldn't have done otherwise. 
which has then brought them closer together and, and, and in some cases completely changed their priorities about how they want their relationship to be moving forward because the day-to-day grind, the day-to-day routine had stopped them from really connecting with each other as a family, as a yep. couple, whatever it might have been. And they've actually taken the time to go, wow, this is really nice. I like spending time with you. Um, <laughs> you need to do this more often. Um, some of my other clients have actually used that time to do the self-reflecting stuff, which I also, you know, so I said I was doing. And they've sort of said, you know, I've got nothing to do. There's no pressure on me. I've got all this time to really think about myself and what I want and what kind of relationship I have with me. Yeah. Um, I've done a lot of in kind of in, in, introversion. Is that the right word? I'm not sure if that's the right word, but they try to look introspective. That's the word I was looking for. Well done. Thank you. Um, yeah. <laughs> they, that introspection. They've looked at themselves and go, okay, who am I? What do I want? Yeah. Uh, how do I talk to myself? How do I see myself and all those kind of things. Um, so it, in some answers been really helpful in some it's been horrible. So because I was working in toxic and unhealthy relationship spaces previously, um, there's some quite horrible stories from clients that during the, especially during the first lockdown, they had no space away from that toxicity mm. where they could go and, and they were quite trapped in a, in that space. Um, whereas they would have occasionally got a breather away from some of these really horrible experiences they were having. It was quite difficult to get away from. Um, and some other people were really lucky because the toxicity was outside of their home environment. So it was with somebody they might have been dating or it could even have been a family member. Um, and when the first lockdown came in and the other lockdown subsequently, they were going, I can't see you, we're in lockdown. So they were able to avoid um those relationships because they wouldn't have been able to say necessarily say no themselves yeah because boris had told us all to stay indoors i mean, oh, no, i can't see you um i need to keep away and keep to myself so it actually was very good for them to because it it got them out of that toxic space that unhealthy environment um and they did a lot of, again they were able to look at it and go how do i want this to be for myself moving forwards mm but they had a good reason to say no to these people. I can't do this and I won't do that um, because I'm not allowed. <laughs> yes, I can. Yeah, Boris Boris said, I can't see you. It's all Boris's fault. Uh, uh, like, you know what? I won't be voting for that guy next time <laughs> in the election. Oh, now for Boris, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Boris. No. It's, it's been a right mixed bag for people, but yeah, they, some people will be thanking the lockdown, and other people it was it was the worst thing that could have happened to them. Mm. But, uh, yeah, it's um it's been a very interesting mix of uh, experiences that I've been talking to people about. Yeah, has there been like it with that sort of interesting like mix of experiences? Has there been sort of like uh one or two themes which you've kind of like or nuggets jewels of like insight which have come out of this all yeah I think um I think one thing that came out is despite what situation you thought you were stuck in then you've always got a choice mm. I mean even though people were stuck inside with people there were a couple of them that said you know what this is too much for me to be bare to bear I need to get out and being in under that kind of 24 7 
sort of scrutiny and, and, and pressure was really helpful for them. They actually said, you know what, I've, I've got a choice. I don't need to stay here and part with this. I can go somewhere. And they did get up and they did go somewhere. Mm. So I think what came out of it for most of my clients was recognizing I've got a choice about the way my life works um, because it forced them into making certain decisions they wouldn't necessarily have made otherwise. Um, and that realization, no matter how many times I might have said it to them anyway, you know, <laughs> you've got a choice here. You know, you don't feel like you're ever stuck in any situation. You can make changes. Um, that might not have gone in otherwise. So I think that's been a really helpful experience for most people. So I've got a choice. I can always make a decision to change my life. Yeah. No, like it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Like, yeah, um, it's a case of, look, yeah, making that sort of choice to change is never easy. And like, it can be quite scary. But like, this is the thing, like when you sort of lean into the fear, uh, lean into that place of discomfort, yeah. Um, what you're like, what you're giving up, the certainty of, a rather negative thing on a sort of day-to-day basis for the unknown you you might it might go to something worse but the whole thing is there's more opportunities for it to go better rather than you knowing it's just going like and you get some cynical people and well it can get worse but you know you know the things which led you down that path to like be negative be yeah, bad yeah. so you look for the opposite for that you know yeah yeah i know completely agree yeah there will be people out there say but it could be worse mm. and i say well that again that's your choice you know if you've got yourself into a headspace where you know what you want from something and you know you can make this better for yourself why yeah. would it be worse it, it could be different it will be different but if you've got your head in the right space to make that change and do something about it, it's not going to be worse. Mm. It's only going to be different and it's more than likely going to be better. Absolutely. Because you're in the right frame of mind to make it better. Yeah. And what would, like, what would you say to like someone who's like, I want to get into that right frame of mind. What was like, is there like exercise or is there a case of like an, like some incantation, incantation? Yeah, to like, oh, yes, uh, I'm in a positive place. Yeah, I mean, no. But, you know, hey. They work for some people, but not everybody. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, like, or affirmations, incantations, whatever you, whatever you want to call them. Um, they work for some people. It depends how deeply embedded your messaging is. Mm. So I could sit there and tell yourself, tell myself how wonderful I am until the cows come home. If I don't believe I'm wonderful, I'm not going to listen to myself. Um, I remember when I first started doing affirmations, I started with, you know what, John, you're okay. Because okay. otherwise my, my, my self-talk was very negative. I would be very, feel very unworthy and undeserving and never expected things to be good. Um, so my self-talk was always very pessimistic um, and I never showed myself any kind of compassion uh, and positive self-love. Uh, and so therefore, if I'd have said to myself, John, you're amazing. John, you can do this and all that. My brain would have gone, no, you can't. <laughs> uh, who, who are you kidding? Because I never took it from someone else. If someone else had said, you're amazing, you can do this, you're really great. My brain would go, what? Mm. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no. Like, this is the thing. 
But like, if they tell me I was rubbish, I'll be going, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that's always the weird thing about the human mind. Like, okay, you like go right. Like, for example, like you could get a, like 100, like you could get 99, like complimentary things said about you on the day. And then basically, as soon as someone says, yeah, you know what, you're, you're a bit shit there. You're mm. like, uh, or like, that's the one what sticks with you. But if you switch that, had 99 like like 99 negative things said and one complimentary thing said you don't even acknowledge that whatsoever and you just stick with the whole sort of negative side of things it's one of the things which i don't get about like i don't get about us sometimes even though like i've sat there and went yeah oh yeah oh you guys said all these beautiful things and you you alan over there <laughs> Son of a bitch. And that's the one with sticks. It's, yeah. It's well, we are negative. Our brain is negatively biased. Mm. So it has a tendency to hold on to negatives uh, much more profoundly than it holds on to positives anyway. So, and, and again, it will depend on how you see yourself. If you believe in yourself and you've got confidence in yourself, then those 99 things will register and that one thing will wash over you. Yeah. Um, if you don't have that, then your brain's going to go, oh, okay, they're, they're pointing out the thing to me that I know to be true. Whereas you'll give me lots of 99 positive things and I'll go, yeah, but. Mm. Uh, and then the one negative thing I'll come and go, yeah, that's that's right. I registered that one really resonates with me. Um, so that's why we have a tendency to kind of absorb that. Depending, again, if you think about how you talk to yourself, if you talk to yourself in that negative way, then when someone else does it, it really it, it attaches to you. It means something. Whereas if I um, talk positively to myself and then someone talks positively to me, then I'll, I'll go, yeah, yeah, I relate to that because that's what I believe as well. Mm. Um, but it is, as it's, it is unfortunate that our brain is negatively biased. It's uh, an evolutionary thing. We needed to remember uh, when the bad things happen to try and avoid those bad things happening again. Um, whereas when a good thing happens, we can just enjoy it and go, oh, I'd like to do that again, but it's not a necessity. I don't need to remember that. Uh, but I do need to remember the last time that tiger jumped out at me from the bush. Um, <laughs> it's like, well, that means you must have been quite quick because if you think like, oh, I need to remember not being that sort of tiger's belly. Yeah, you're well, saying I, I used to sprint for Great Britain, so I was quite quick. So any any tiger, I give them a run for their money. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if I had my spear and I was able to fight the, the tiger off and leg it, um, maybe he grabbed my mate or something instead and I was the one that got away <laughs> you'd be like going Douglas all I've got to say is that tiger jumps out all I need to do is just stay in front of you and I'll be a-okay what <laughs> yeah like Douglas wanted me to have all of his stuff <laughs> yeah yeah no he said it just before he died he said it yeah. <laughs> You lying son of a bitch. Oh, he made it. Ah, oh, Douglas, yes. <laughs> My collection of loincloths, they're all yours. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Oh, no, that's a, that's a picture right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're, like, with that sort of, like, mental thinking, like, where people sometimes like, find themselves and, like, find themselves trapped, like, what would you say some of the building blocks to sort of like turn that mindset 
around from that sort of like, hey, the world is always negative and anything you say, you're wrong because the world is negative. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it, is a, it, is a, it is about just changing your, your perception on things. Mm. Um, not everything is negative and not everything is positive. Yeah. Um, not everything is good. Not everything is bad. It's about your perception of that event. And that's when I talk to some of my clients and I say, you know, when you were a kid, it doesn't really matter how bad your childhood was. It's how you perceived your childhood that's important. Mm. You know, when, you know, you talk to some of my parents would never agree with that, maybe because their parents are in denial or maybe it wasn't true. Um, but if I perceived a certain event in a specific way, then my brain will absorb that information and go, I need to put something in place in order to manage that now moving forwards. And unfortunately, as we are negatively biased, then generally the brain will go, well, that wasn't very nice. I need to put something in place to help me not to experience that again. Um, so as we get older, we need to address that. It's what is our perception of ourselves? Mm -hmm. How do we relate to ourselves? What kind of relationship do we have with ourselves? How do we talk to ourselves? Um, like you said, am I always saying this is going to be bad? This is going to be bad. This is never going to work out. I can't have this. I can't have that. That's one of the words that I try and get rid of. There's actually two words I try and get rid of with my clients. One of them is I can't, um, because most of the time it's not that you can't, it's that you won't. Mm. Um, there are things you can't do. I mean, I used to be a sprinter, but I was never going to be not Usain Bolt 9.5. Never, ever. No matter how hard I tried and how hard I trained and how many injuries I avoided, I was never going to run 9.5. That's good to acknowledge that I've got limitations that, you know, is, uh, I know I did my, I didn't do my best, but if I can acknowledge that I did my best, that's great. Yeah. Um, but most of the time when it comes to things that we are in control of, we say, oh, I can't do that. Well, you can do it, but something in your brain is not allowing you to do it. So it's actually more that I won't do it than I can't mm. do it. So when you're thinking about certain things, oh, I can't do that, think, okay, I can do it, but will I do it? Uh, and what can I get out of it if I do do it? Is How is this going to benefit me? How am I going to make this the best experience for myself? Um, and also to get rid of your shoulds. Uh, Tony Robbins says people go around shoulding all over themselves. Yeah, yeah. And one of the first things I learned in counselling was that shoulds are shit. Um, because they're expectations. They're either imposed expectations we place upon ourselves or they're imposed expectations from somebody else. Yeah. But when you say, oh, you know, I should do that, you never say it with, oh, you know, I should do that. I'm really looking forward to it. It's like, you know, I should do that because it's not probably something you really want to do. It's something that you feel like you have to do. Mm. Um, so get rid of your shoulds and get rid of your can'ts. And think about what you want to do. So I want to do this. I get to do that. I could do this. Give yourself an option. Give yourself a choice. Um, so that it doesn't feel like it's like too much pressure on you to do it. Or you're talking yourself out of doing it or not believing in yourself that it's possible. Um, if I can't have the relationship I want, I'm never going to find the relationship I want. Mm. Because I'm telling myself I can't have it. Um, and therefore, I'm never going to get it. Because when it comes, I'm not going to see it yeah because that person that i really want to be with that can fulfill all these things that i ever wanted in a relationship if i say i can't have that my brain's like yeah well they might be able to give it to you but you can't have it anyway so <laughs> that person over there means you can't have it <laughs> <laughs> yeah like you know what like the whole shoulda woulda could have like that whole sort of scenario what like many a person plays out oh i should have i would have i could have done that and it's like you kind of like 
you kind of have to like stop yourself when you get into that realm and just say, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. like you, I would have, I could have, I should have. Like, okay, okay, right. Why don't you just do it then? Like, you know what I mean? Sack up, like pay up and like, yeah, just do it. And it's like, you go, okay, yeah. What's the worst scenario if you did go out there and do it? Yeah, okay, if it's robbing a bank, maybe there's some sort of like, like heavy consequences there which will come out of it. And maybe you shouldn't do it. But if it's like, yes, going out, talking to people or like taking your life in a slightly different direction, yeah. Yeah. Where's Doing that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know? Yeah. You're not going to know until you've done it. Uh, and therefore, you see how it feels. Again, there's going to be, if you've never done it before, they'd, like you said early on about, you know, pain can be difficult, it can be quite scary. So if you've never done it before, it's going to feel different. Mm. Mm. But actually, is that good different? Or is that really a negative? Most people don't like different, so therefore it feels uncomfortable. So therefore they'll go back to what's comfortable. Yeah. But it's about saying actually this feels different, but actually is it okay? Is this good? Is this a good space? Have I done well here? Is this better than what I had? And really kind of get that reflection on what you're actually doing and go, okay, well, this isn't too bad. I know I, it may feel slightly uncomfortable. This isn't actually as bad as maybe where I was. Mm. Um, and now I want more of this. Because this is kind of okay. So let me do it a little bit more. Let me do a bit more. Let me do a bit more. Again, um, small steps, you know, take your miles, right? It's just being able to recognize you don't have to, and you won't, your brain won't accept it if you try and change too much at once. It will freak you out. And um, it's like you said that in the weird way, you it will freak you out. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it was like, yeah, I got man. He's freaking out, man. Yeah, I am, man. I don't like it. I don't like it. Is that oh. <laughs> uh, and it will. Um, so don't let you don't freak yourself out. Um, because your brain will go, no, this is too much too soon. You're doing you're trying to change too much, I don't like it. And it will revert back to likely to go straight back to the pipe, or actually even worse, it'll embed itself even worse because um, it doesn't it doesn't want you to do so much changing so quickly. So, you know, think about what you can do, think about what you will do, and do it, but do it within your own comfort zone. Mm, I hear that. I hear that. So now I have to sort of ask, what do you think? Like, what would you like? to do in the next sort of three years to sort of like develop with the relationship guy who mm. you are where you want to go find well putting yourself in those places of discomfort yeah what, what's in your card sir um so as far as the the business is concerned I, I've, I've just actually last month uh released my own podcast mm. uh, relationship guy podcast that came went live on the 23rd of july i think yeah uh, that's something that i'm really in, quite enjoying at the moment um i really just want to be able to help people over the next few years um to recognize that they can have the relationships that they want and to get myself into a space where um people know that that's possible and they're, and they're coming to see me a lot to <laughs> make that happen um 
especially because again I, you know relationships can be very complicated complex um, but they also can be very easy and if we put ourselves in the right space to invite the, the best relationship for us in the more people that can experience that i think the whole world would be a much happier space um, there was a study by yale university um, which took 75 years to complete so i kind of trust in the data on this one and they said the quality of your life is directly correlated to the quality of your relationships so if you've got good quality relationships, your life is generally much happier, much more fulfilled. Mm. So the more quality relationships we can create for ourselves, the better the quality of life will be for everybody. Um, so it's always much easier to manage life when you've got a good relationship that's going on or a, you know, a few good relationships with friends, family, and stuff as well so um this isn't just about intimate relationships although that is my kind of specialist space mm. um once you have that idea about what relationships can really be like then you can you can more or less do that with every relationship so long as the people that you're having those relationships are happy to be in that space with you um but it will also that building up that positive space for yourself and that relationship with yourself will also help you to manage any relationships uh, in the best way possible so you can make them the best they can possibly be for you even though you might not be able to influence anybody else to do any changing yeah no like this is the thing the people you surround yourself with it, like it is one of those things where it is so important because yes mental well-being and sort of going forward and i think people don't real. how can i put it people realize it but they still don't kind of really buy into it, if you get what I mean. Because the amount of times, look, there, there's always that one person in the group which will be saying uh, negative, like negative, this, that, the other, all the time. And you're like, okay. And like, they'll take the whole group from like, yeah, being at from an eight down to a six. And if you let them run, like run riot, it's like, yeah, down to a four, like, okay. Uh, but like, there's that positive person in the group, which you like, you don't understand, like you don't get it. Why some of you like going, why are you so positive? But you like, you question it and people look at it with suspicion. They're like, hmm, not too sure about this, but yeah, you know what I mean? Keep them around, like, but yeah. the team you have, the like family unit, the village or what, however you want to describe it. Mm -hmm. It's so important because yeah, that's the thing what helps you like grow and be healthier, you yeah. know? Yeah, definitely. The environment that you're in has a massive impact on your ability to do your best and be your best self. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. So you're doing your podcast, like you've been doing speaking, like what, what else yeah. is that going on? Yeah, so I've got, I'm, up, I'm speaking at a retreat uh, in, I think it's October, which is going to be really interesting, like a well-being retreat. I love speaking. I've done my own speaking gigs before, before, uh, lock, before COVID. I had one planned for last May, which needs to be um, 
which needed to be postponed. Um, so I love talking about relationships and, and getting people in. I'm starting to run a series of webinars for people as well, um, when I'm going to just sort of run sort of quick half hour webinars on relationship topics and get people to come and have a listen to that. Um, so that's going to be interesting um, because I, as you can probably tell from the amount I've talked so far today, I love talking about this stuff. Oh, no, no. Like you, yeah. you have been like a shy buttercup. Of <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, <laughs> like, um, let me tell you about this. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I'm going to be doing that. That's, that's going to be starting soon. Um, you know, again, just to get more people to hear what I think is the best thing that they could do and the things that they need to consider to get the type of relationships in their life that they want. Um, I'm considering actually coaching coaches as well because um, when I first started the coaching, I not only have my counseling, my coaching, I've also a qualified hypnotherapist. I'm an NLP practitioner. Um, I've got a psychology diploma. So all of that I kind of mold into my coaching. Um, and I've started to write a course to coach coaches in what I call interpersonal relationship coaching, which is my approach. So I fused all of that, that stuff together in the work that I do. Mm. And I thought, well, that'd be great. Why don't I teach other coaches to be able to take this out into the world? So that's also something I've been thinking about for about two years, um, but didn't quite get around to doing. But I did start to write something and then with COVID and stuff that it kind of put, put to one side and, so I'm, I'm going to be working on that again. So I'm hoping that, that not hoping because it's up to me. That's another thing. When it comes down to hope, hope is an amazing thing and it keeps us really, it keeps us going. Um, but when it comes down to hope, you don't hope yourself. That's up to you. If I say I hope I do that, that means I'm in doubt about whether I'm going to do it or not. Um, so if I say I hope I'm going to do that, that's not, I don't need hope. I just need to do it. But if I want you to do, do something or I need something else to happen outside of my control, then it's it hope's an amazing thing to have. Yeah. Uh, so I don't hope that I do that. I will do it if I feel it's the right thing for me to do. Yeah. Hope is a hope is a little bit of a weird creature because like, okay, if you like if you ever sort of read sort of like the classics and everything like that, like Greek mm. mythology, like in Pandora's box, there was like all the sort of horrors in the world and everything like this. And mm. um, the lot, like before it could escape, hope was locked in the jar. It makes me like go uh, in, like from the sort of Greek sort of like men, like mentality. What is tr what is hope to them? It, to be locked in Pandora's box and like for it not to get out. What type of monster is hope, if you get what I mean? Like, is hope what we think it is, or is it something else? Uh, like, you know what I mean? Because if you live just purely in hope without actually taking action, yeah. is it a case of it's this thing which is dangled out there just tantalizingly close, always like being like used as a stick to punish you or like lead you to like some sort of ill end or until you act like eliminating that hope you've taken action to make things happen yeah no yeah i agree it's i think as i was i think a, kind of similar to what i alluded to i think hope's great yeah if, if you're hoping that something else or somebody else does something yeah it gives you that sense of maybe optimism that something good can come out of it 
Um, but when it when it's you, it's you. Yeah. It's your, you make a decision. Um, you like you said, you need to act. If you don't act and take responsibility for your own outcomes, there's no you can no well, I hope this all works out. Mm. Um, well, what are you going to do to make it work? Yeah. And That's like I said, it's, it's okay, it could be dangled in front of you as an excuse not to act mm. um, because you're just hoping that it's all going to work out okay. But if it's in your control, well, you don't need hope. You just need to do it. Mm. Um, yeah. No, I was going to say, yeah, I think with regards to a lot of sort of relationships and everything like this, it is in like it's in everyone's control to like see how it goes and like it comes down to taking action you like you took action yourself uh, and unfortunately it didn't go the way you wanted it to maybe go or like either which way but you acted rather than staying in a place of how can i say like in a place which was not going to help you grow or make you happy you acted and i think with regards to a lot of other people uh they kind of lie to themselves and maybe deceive themselves with regards to what's going on and like fail to take that action uh mm -hmm. fail to act uh or in one way or the other it's like yes you can save this relationship act now yeah you, you might not have to end this relationship act now like mm -hmm. you like to be a better person act now stop stop procrastinating stop holding yourself back act mm -hmm. now you know yeah. And again, that's a good some of the work I do with my clients because the resistance to change is, can be very powerful mm. to do something differently can be very uh, disabling in a way, because we don't believe or we don't see another, another way of doing things. Um, and if we are, have that ability to act and we don't, then, you know, why, what are we doing that for? What is, it, what is stopping us from saying this isn't working for me i need to do something else but i'm not going to do that something else in order to get away from the thing that's not working what is holding me in this space yeah um and again that's just a lot of the work i do with my clients is you want to do something you're used to and that's okay because you're used to it um but actually if you know that you could be doing something differently which is going to help you what's stopping you from doing that and that that kind of reflection on yourself and understanding what could be holding you back why you're procrastinating on, on making a decision um, that's a really interesting and quite insightful experience for some people and i definitely recommend that for people listening is actually think about your why what is stopping me why am i not doing this uh, and see what kind of answers you come up with um, because it, it could be quite an interesting uh, enlightening moment when you start to really understand how you're how you're working and why you're working the way you are mm. yeah like i think yes without a why you kind of you lose your focus you lose your direction and depending on what type how strong that why is like it can like a why can be like gravity or a why is something you need to pull along if you have to pull your why along every time, every day, it soon bogs you down and you soon lose like 
you soon lose that sort of motivation to keep going because if you have to motivate yourself each time to pull that wire along no when it is a strong wire when it's like gravity and it's pulling you along you're like you'll be amazed at how many times you show up even when you're at the most tired even when you're like going hey i don't really want to do this today but it's like um yeah that wise i go <laughs> no 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 here we go you come with me you know yeah yeah, definitely. Definitely. A, a powerful why um, is very significant. And then again, that's why I get my clients to do their want list, mm. uh, because it gives them a sense of why. Why am, I, why am I doing this work on myself in the first place? Why am I actually sitting here thinking about my the relationship I want? Well, I want this relationship because, and that's my why. Mm. And if that's that then becomes your a big enough, like you said, driver to be that's drawing you towards something that you really want um, and you know why you want it, um, then you're on to a winner. Um, if you don't, if you don't know why you want something, then why are you doing it? Yeah. <laughs> so, why are you doing it? Why are you doing it? Like when you, like when you get them to do a want list, how, like, is there a limit to how many wants they can put down or can it just, you're not to start. No, we, we we edit it down to um, the more significance of the wants. So, mm. um, you know, someone might say, I want someone who likes the same type of music as me. Now, I would say that's not an essential quality in a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't mean it doesn't be on your want list. Um, but it's, it's not something that's going to keep the relationship ticking over forever. Um, so we whittle it down to the kind of more fundamentals is do you have the same values do you say the principles do you have the same kind of outlook on life um do you have a lot of shared interests but also have your own life on the side of that type of thing do you want someone who's got their own interests mm. there, there's an independence within the relationship um i like to think of it as you know you want someone that's going to complement you so if you know, if you haven't done the work on yourself yet, you're not, again, you're not going to really know how to bring in somebody that's going to compliment you because you don't know what you like. You don't know who you are. Um, so how are you supposed to bring somebody in that's going to compliment your life if your life isn't in a good space? Yeah. Uh, some people can come in and help you to reach that area that you need to get to. Um, and again, so again, relationships need to be nurturing, supportive, encouraging. Um you know, so they're the kind of fundamental things that we're looking for. Because um, I work predominantly, have worked, and now I do only work predominantly with, with women. One of the things that's come up quite a lot is um, they want a guy who puts the bins out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, it's like, wait, okay. No, because, like, okay, like, no, this is the thing. Um, how can I put, I was, I've been watching this, uh, how can I, like, these guys, they're called fresh and fit, right? They mm. are like, yeah, they are a bit, they're a bit wackadoo in my opinion with regards to like, yeah, it's like, yeah, they go, yeah, women want this and that and this, and they have like unrealistic sort of like things they want to obtain. Like, like I was, I was like thinking, yeah, should I ask this? Like, from what people want for their sort of like relationship expectations today mm -hmm. but when you were like yeah that like, yeah women just want yeah a guy to put out the pins i'm not like going like that is like one of the most sort of baseline real like yeah realistic expectations look mate 
40% of this relationship will be going fine if you just remember to put out the bins <laughs> and tidy up after yourself. Yeah. I will be happy <laughs> with that. It's like, I'm, yeah. and, if, and, if, and if that's all you want, then I think you're aiming a bit too low. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's what's behind the putting the bins out. That's yeah. uh, now we could go into masculine and feminine energy and all this kind of stuff if, um, we don't really have the time to go into it too, too deeply, but no. um, generally the, the, the putting the bins out as a symbolizer of being looked after, that's a masculine task. Mm. So for someone to be feel cared about is really what's going on here. It's if you care about me, if you value me, you'll take up that role of being the masculine energy of the person that puts the bins out. Mm. And I'll feel safe and I'll feel secure with you because you're doing something which makes me feel valued and it also makes me feel like you're going to look after me. Now, again, we spoke a little bit about loincloths and cave, like hunting tigers and stuff. This is a fundamental genetic thing that helped us evolve as a species. The, the person that carries the masculine energy, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a male or a female because we've got mixed relationships and everybody, will, there's going to be a different balance in all of the relationships. Mm. But fundamentally, we grew, we developed as a species with the, the, the male or the masculine energy doing the protecting and the feminine energy doing the nurturing. Mm. Um, and there is a balance there that we need to find within a relationship about what suits us the best. But the bins out is generally about <laughs> a masculine job. Yeah. So if you do the masculine jobs, I will feel safe in my feminine energy. Um, when you're talking about unrealistic expectations, then yeah, I completely agree. If I want someone who's a millionaire, but actually what, what I'd really say is, okay, I want someone who's financially secure. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I will feel safer with someone who's financially secure rather than someone I feel that's going to be all over the place with their money. That's going to create insecurity for me. If I choose that, what does that say about me? That I'm choosing insecurity. Um, so yeah, I think there is a lot of, there is a, you know, there's people on this end of the scale and there's people on this end of the scale, people that don't look for enough and there's people that look for too much. Mm. But it's about, again, it's that values. What are we brought up to believe? You know, I've spoken to people and they were brought up to believe you need to find a man who does this, 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 and this, and this. Otherwise you're not going to be happy. You know, so if they're not a millionaire, if they don't have this and they don't have that, well, why would you choose that? Okay. Well, I'm only going to go for guys then that can offer me that. Um, yeah. Is that going to make you happy? Who knows? Probably mm. on, on a on a if that's the level that you're looking at, then probably not. Because if you think that money is the only thing that's going to make you happy, there's a lot of work to do there on yourself and your ideas of what relationships really are. Um, so yeah, it's um it's a very interesting and broad topic. <laughs> um, oh, uh, list, we bring it down to more like values, principles, life outlook. Um, you know, with a few sort of little bits that, you know, do we have a similar interest? Do we have different interests? Yeah. You have your own life. Do I, can I, do I have my own life? Again, we need to make sure we've got a really good, what a balance that suits us. Yeah. But this is the thing, like when, when you're talking about values, like, yeah, outlook and like basically like principles, like these are what I would say the core sort of tenants of any relationship and like when like if you're diametrically opposed on any of those sort of things you're not going to have a relationship it 
it won't work. It's like, you're like, oh, yeah. It's like, yeah. There are certain, you go, yeah. My core is this and mm. your core is this. Like, yeah, I believe theft is okay. I believe in law and order. That relationship is definitely not going to work. It will fall apart and it will, like, go, like, just end it there. Mm-hmm. But when you talk about core tenants, yeah, I think people need to sort of work on that before like going sort of like, yes, they must have a yacht or yes, they yeah. must like, like, yes, they must be able to bench 2000 pounds. Yes. <laughs> like, she must be able to like, basically like she must be able to walk on water and like, yeah, cure the sick. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Focus yeah. on the core things. And then maybe like if one or two, like, yeah, higher expectations can be met. Yeah. Partly, then you might have, you might stand a chance, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, and again, it's that kind of, you can come to me with a list as long as your arm, if you want to, and then I'll help you to break that down into actually what does that really, what does that really mean? And we'll break that down into those little tenants of what's really then important. What's the underlying thing that you're looking for Mm. in a relationship? You know, you need to be respected. We all need to be respected by our partners. You know, if that's not on your list, why is that not on your list? You might have something on your list which which relates to being respected. And then we'll try and say, okay, does that boil down to respect? Um, and then they might have sort of 10 things which then mean the same thing. And then we'll try and figure out actually what's really important, what's behind that thing that you think that you want. Mm. And then we work on that uh, as a kind of basis of then this is the kind of person. And then we look at that, we kind of put, um, so I believe in the law of attraction, maybe not in the way that um, some people interpret it, that, you know, you put it out, the universe will provide for you. My idea is that we have part of our brain called your reticular activating system or your RAS, and it's your, I'll go and find what you're looking for part of your brain. Mm. Um, and if I'm always focusing on a negative thing, I have a tendency to find negatives. If I'm focusing on positive I have a tendency to find positives because I've got this part of my brain switched on and therefore I'm always looking for something that's good for me. Oh, my cat's just... <laughs> yeah, yeah, so... I was looking, she was looking for something positive and then she is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so when we think of something, so if I, I like to use the analogy, if I go to the park looking to avoid treading in dog shit, all I'm ever going to find is dog shit. <laughs> because that's all I'm looking for. And I'm going to miss the flowers. I'm going to miss the trees because yeah. all I'm trying to do is look for one specific thing. And it's the same within relationships. If I'm looking to avoid somebody who's disrespectful, who um, cheats, or all my brain is saying is I don't want someone who cheats. I don't want someone who cheats. And then every time I meet someone who cheats, my brain goes, that's what you're looking for. That person cheats. And therefore I might end up dating them because all I've looked for is someone who, who cheats. Yeah. So we need to make sure that when we're doing the want list, it's then it's there because we then want to focus on the positives. When I meet someone, I want them to be this, this, and this, and this. And when we do finally meet that person, my brain will go, that's the kind of person you've been looking for. Mm. Um, and therefore, again, and then we're on, if we're on the same wavelength as them and they're looking for someone like me, then they'll go, oh, and then this is the kind of person I've been looking for. And then we can start having those conversations. Um, and seeing if they work yeah indeed indeed you might have to kiss a few frogs before you actually get that right 
Uh, yeah, I think yes, but I think we've all kissed a few frogs at a time. That's like I'm that's ah, ah, ah. oh she's so I'm not anti-frog, by the way. But, hey, it's like, like she's so pretty. Well, you know what? Hey, you can keep the frog as that hey. <laughs> just like meow. She's so pretty. Oh, oh, hello. And so like so is your cat. <laughs> it's like the cat's like going, oh, yes, I am pretty. Yes, I am. <laughs> But yes, the whole frog kissing thing, yeah, we all do that at some time. And yes, thank like if we can thankfully move on from the frogs, that's always a good thing. <laughs> we will, we will indeed. We just need to maybe um because again, all of our old stuff is stored in our brain. Mm. Um, you know, all of this, all of these things we're trying to change don't leave you. Um, what we try and do is just kind of create different options. So all the stuff that triggered my stuff in the past that's all hardwired in my head yeah um so um sit down just lie down there thank you very much um <laughs> the dog did you tell the cat she's not going to do it she's told. <laughs> i do this because it amuses me at this present yeah. time <laughs> can't remember what i was saying yeah? <laughs> anyway Yes, it's hardwired. So all of this stuff I learned, my brain will hold on to it. So yeah. I will still get triggered. My subconscious will still be at play, maybe looking for unhealthy choices for myself. Um, but I've I've created new pathways in my brain, new neurons, which will fire off. They become then eventually part of my subconscious as well. So when the old stuff kicks in, I can go, oh, no, no, I don't do that type of stuff anymore. This is what I want moving forwards. Yeah. This is what I now do. And we can override that old stuff um, that may still be in the background. So I might, so like I said, I might kiss a few frogs in order to get to the person I want to get to. Um, but that's because my subconscious is still maybe keeping me in a space where I'm not quite, uh, I haven't quite moved on from the past yet. Okay. Awesome. But when I recognize it, I go red flag, red flag, red flag. <laughs> <laughs> This isn't what I want anymore, and I am able to walk away before it. Before I get too involved, I cause myself too much emotional upset, um, which before uh, I wouldn't have done. You know, um, I've got a, a client at the moment, and we're going kind of through that phase at the moment where their subconscious is still attracting um, a couple of people in that we are not happy about. Okay, um, but acknowledging those red flags straight away and going actually this isn't what i want moving forwards mm -hmm. this is what i used to do moving forwards and cutting that off before it has a chance to kind of develop into anything that's going to cause them too much discomfort okay nice nice now oh. ah, here we go hmm. now uh, what can i say john i'm gonna have to reveal this to you i like i haven't been lying to you but i've just i haven't been fully open with you i have to tell you this not too sure how you're gonna take this but here we go john you have a drink no 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 worries like like i i hope there's alcohol in there but yeah if there's not but that's another story but yeah i have to reveal i'm a being of supreme cosmic power and now I have the ability to give you one wish and one wish alone. So wait, before you even say anything, <laughs> I, there are rules, stipulations and such. Okay. You cannot wish 
for more wishes because you are you seem to be that sneaky type of person. <laughs> yeah. You you can't, yeah, you can't wish for world peace. No, mm. no, and you can't wish for COVID to be gone. Look, you have no idea how much power I had to draw on just getting a vaccine to the table. Like, yeah, I had to consult Dolly Parton. Yeah, no, don't need to do those type of backroom deals. If like for a few full full-on cure, I have to bring Beyonce into the mix. No, I'm not doing that. No, are you sure you don't want to bring Beyonce into the mix? I wouldn't mind if you brought Beyonce into the mix. I, I'm sure you would, but that's uh, that's another story. That's another story for other times. Okay. Mm, say no more. <laughs> and look, you cannot write a whole thing, like a whole number of things on a piece of paper and go, I wish everything on this piece of paper comes true. No. Now. Right. There's sort of a few restrictions in there, Mr. Genie. Hey, what can I say? Look, I'm a being of supreme cosmic power. I can't, no, no Genie, exactly. But yeah. What would your one wish be? My one wish would be, I would, I would actually, I'm going to downplay this a bit, actually. Um, I'm going to ask for anything too cosmic because you can't give me that. Hey. <laughs> I, my wish is that for as long as I'm functioning as a human being, mm. that I can help people to create the happiest, healthiest, and most fruitful relationships they can possibly experience. Mm. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Not only that will be really good for them, it will be really good for everybody then they come into contact with, who then they come into contact with, who they come into contact with, and that will fulfill my gravity pulling wife. Mm. Okay, okay. You know what? I'll let you have that. I'll let you have that. Yes. Thank you. Wait. wait. I'm not, I'm just trying to think, have I just let something? No, no, it seems to be good. It seems to be good. Okay, yeah, you can have it. <laughs> it. It might take a few, it might take a little bit of time to come out in the mix, but yes. Mm, yeah. John, now, can you tell the lovely people out there how they can get hold of you on these mighty interwebs? Yeah, they can find me uh, everywhere, more or less. Um, so the podcast is called The Relationship Guy. If you go to my website, www.johnkennycoaching.com forward slash podcast, yep. uh, there's links there depending on where you listen to your, your podcast through. You can click on the iTunes, Spotify, whatever, which one you prefer. Um, I'm on Facebook, John Kenny Coaching. Um, obviously, my relationship guy uh, on oh, everywhere. Um, Twitter, you can get me, John Kenny Coaching uh instagram um where else is there linkedin exactly. you're on linkedin and you want to uh connect up on there you can find me uh john kenny the relationship guy there um and just come and say hello it'd be great to connect with you if you've got any questions please feel free to ask um and i'll be happy to answer if they're within my realm of knowledge Yes, excellent. I will put all of these connections in the show notes, in the description. So yes, go out there, find John. Like, yes, talk to John, communicate with John. Yes, relate, like, relate with John. 
in a positive manner. <laughs> Absolutely. But I'd like to say thank you to you, John, for coming on today. You have been a superstar. I will get you back on in the future, no doubt. <laughs> thank you. It's been a privilege and a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Hey, excellent, excellent. And I'd like to say thank you to you, my friends, my life warriors, staying with us up until this point. Uh, please, yes. Please stay safe, stay well, be awesome, be excellent, be fantastic, be all the positive bees you can be in this world, and then some. Thank you very much, guys. Have a great day. Yes. Peace. Ah, and we are.